You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Time to lock and load. Time to get control. Time to search for soul and start again. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am David Harrison. Your host for this episode. Unfortunately, James cannot be with us. Uh, apparently, he feels like spending the evening with his children watching the Tampa Bay Lightning is more important uh, than being on on the podcast. What so, a joining me, uh, yeah, right. So, joining me instead and, and saving the day for all of you, so you don't have to just listen to me drone on for half an hour, is Evan Winter. You guys have heard him before. He's been on the show before. Writer over at Bucks Nation and host of the Overtime Podcast, who he does there with Alex Salvarez, also from Bucks Nation. On Twitter, at Evan underscore winner. Evan, thank you for saving everyone. Thank you for saving me, because honestly, I don't even know if I could drone on for 30 minutes by myself anyway. Uh, but thank you for, for coming in here while James is enjoying a, a very dominant lightning victory. Yeah, man, it's no big deal at all. You know, I've got my priorities straight. That's that's all I'm just going to say, <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, James, James doesn't see, he doesn't really like it when he doesn't join me because I tend to, well, not just me, but... Uh, myself and and whoever joins me for the episode, we we tend to to dig at James a little bit, but it's it's all in, in good fun. Uh, it, this was this was planned well in advance, guys. Just just so you know, um, I would never hold back the opportunity for James to go see the Lightning with his with his children, of course, right? Uh, family family first. But we have a fun episode, Evan. I think that uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun with this, and hopefully, our listeners are gonna have a lot of fun with this. So there's been a lot of talk this offseason, maybe more this offseason than I can remember really, at least in recent years, about just how many players might get cut to free up cap space. Um, of course, it's always a little bit of a topic, but there are so many players on this this Buccaneers roster heading into 2019 who could very well not be there when, when 2019 actually starts. So what we're going to do is, is have a little fun, and, and credit to James, this was his idea, and we're going to play a game. It's not really a title, but here's what we, basically what we're going to do is we're going to title each player safe, not safe, or on the bubble, uh, which is our version of kind of on the fence. We don't really know if they're safe or, or not safe. And uh, we're going to start, Evan, with Gerald McCoy because GMAC has obviously been a, a hot topic of conversation this offseason for us, for every other Bucks outlet, and for fans alike. So Gerald McCoy is, is getting set, if he's part of the Buccaneers for 2019, to earn $13 million and carries zero dead weight if the Buccaneers were to move him. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with you, Evan. So is, is G-Mac safe? Is he not safe, or is is he on the bubble? Um, you know, in my heart and soul and, you know, best of best, or, you know, whatever you want to say, he would be safe. But unfortunately, this is the real world, and this is the NFL, and the NFL would, to quote Eve Six, put my heart, my tender heart in a blender. Um, he's on the bubble for me, man. Uh, honestly, I don't know how you replace him, but then again, you know, I, this defense is most likely going to be a three, four base. Now that doesn't really mean anything in the long run because you're going to be playing nickel, you know, most of the time anyway. So he could probably still find his way onto the field pretty often. The price has just got to come down though. Uh, and the question is, you know, will he, you know, Gerald's always been one to tout himself as a team player and, you know, that he loves Tampa, um, you know, then that should 
equate to a hometown discount. That shouldn't be an issue, you know, whether, you know, he gets some incentives or, you know, it gets backloaded, you know, the contract even more. I mean, he's made enough money at this point, but then again, you know, you can't blame a man for wanting to get his money. Um, but definitely on the bubble for me, man. Gotta gotta start there with him. All right. So I think Gerald McCoy is, is very much not safe. Uh, with this team. I'm not going to go so far as to flat out predict that he'll be released, but I'm definitely on the side of the fence where uh, I think his future with the franchise is in jeopardy. And yeah, yeah I, I really do. And I'm actually kind of all for, all for it, but it's not a, a Gerald McCoy hatred thing. I, I, I really appreciate Gerald McCoy and uh, I appreciate what he's oh, done yeah, for the for franchise. Sure. Huge fan of the guy. However, uh, and, I, and I wrote about this a little while back on, on Bucks Nation, he's the only remaining piece of the beginning of this stretch of just frustration for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise. He, you know, the Buccaneers have had three stretches of this franchise where the first stretch was just absolutely terrible. We all know about it. And then the next stretch, we kind of started with Tony Dungy through the Super Bowl. And then the last couple, you know, last three or four or two, three years after the Super Bowl uh, with Coach Gruden there is where they started to leak into this current stretch of just frustration and failure. And as much as Gerald McCoy was the silver lining of some of those bad seasons that we've, we've experienced, uh, he's still a part of it. And, and I feel like if the Buccaneers are going to move forward uh, from that era of struggle and, and frustration, they're going to need to cut ties with all the links uh, that take them back there. And, and unfortunately, GMAC is, is one of the biggest ones. Uh, it, it's just going to be hard. And that's, so that's reason number one. Reason number two, and, and I know Gerald McCoy, he, he tweeted himself or said in an interview, I can't really remember where he said or what platform, but basically said football is football. So if the Bucs need him to play 3-4 defensive end, he'll do it. If they they run a four-man front and they move him back into three-tech, he'll do it. He'll do whatever they ask him to do. And I appreciate... But can he do it effectively? I mean, of course, exactly. yeah, he's going to do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I appreciate the sentiment, right? And I, and I look back at a guy who is on the Buccaneers staff now, Antoine Randall-L, right? Had some quarterback experience, came into the NFL, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers primarily, um, as a wide receiver, on occasion would throw the ball. Was not an NFL caliber thrower. Was not a passer where you ever watched him on a passing play where you could say, man, that dude could do that full time. Now, could he throw a football? Of course he could. He's athletic. He's got arm strength. He even had some experience. I'm sure Gerald McCoy has rushed from the outside before in his life. However, doing that on the NFL stage uh, is, is a totally different story, and I honestly don't believe that Gerald McCoy would be nearly as effective um, as, as playing a defensive end position as he would in the interior. And I got it. Base defenses are only a, a, a small portion of the game these days. But if that's kind of the main target for Joe, Gerald McCoy, $13 million is way too much money to pay him. And as far as pay cuts are concerned, I really don't see him taking a pay cut. The third part of it, honestly, is Gerald McCoy would kind of benefit from a, from a change of, of scenery a little bit. If he, if he were allowed to go out there and find his own team, he's not going to go sign with the Dolphins. Uh, he's not going to go sign with uh, even like the Jaguars. You know, they have a, actually a pretty good defense, their their team itself. He's going to go out looking for a title. You know what I mean? So he's going to go to a team like the Patriots or, heaven forbid, the Saints. You know, one of these teams that was in in competition uh, to put it all together, the Chiefs could definitely use some help on on defense. Um, and, that, and that's something that he would do. And as a fan of the individual person, it would be good to see him be able to go out and kind of seek out his own successes. Although I would obviously firmly be hoping that he failed in that endeavor, and the Buccaneers were the ones who had the success. But for those three reasons, I really don't feel like Gerald McCoy is, is safe in this franchise. Um, not a guy that if he does stay, I'll be mad about it by any means. Uh, I just that's 
when I when I read the when I read the cards on the table, that's kind of the way I see this playing out. Well, I mean, if you're having if you want him to be out there, obviously, you know, going back to the three four four three, you know, statement that he made and all that stuff, um, that means you want him out there every down, and you just don't know how effective he's going to be every down just yet in this new defense that they're about to employ, and to be paying him thirteen million dollars, which ties him for si- the sixth highest paid defensive tackle in the league. Um, only Timmy Jernigan, Brandon Williams, Geno Adkins, Malik Jackson, Kawan Short, and Aaron Donald. They're the only ones who are paid more than him. Uh, like I said, he's tied with Jernigan. But, uh, you know, that's that's just too much money. Um, you know, obviously, whether or not he, he takes the pay cuts, a completely subjective thing. You know, I have no idea. None of us really do except for him and his agent. I, if I had to speculate, I would say I could see him doing it, honestly. But, um, yeah, you know, but, I mean, if he does get cut, you know, honestly, dude, there's there's no telling where he could go. He'd be welcome almost anywhere. Hell, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to the Falcons. I mean, they've got $26 million in cap room right now, and I've been reading that uh, there's a good shot they cut Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley was going to make 12.8. So, if they just they could just re-sign McCoy. Dude, having him and uh, Grady Jarrett next to each other, obviously, if they re-sign Jarrett would be absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so, I mean – you know, there's no telling where he could go, and obviously he could go anywhere almost he wanted to. I still think the guy could be effective as hell if he, if he uh, gets in the right spot. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree on that. We definitely have not seen the last of Gerald McCoy in the NFL, uh, whether he's in a Buccaneers uniform or not. He's, he's still going to be one of, the, uh, one of the most disruptive defense tackles in, in the game, uh, just whether or not he plays in Tampa doing it. So moving on, Evan, uh, the next guy we're going to talk about, and I'm going to kick this one off, is wide receiver Deshaun Jackson who is scheduled to make $10 million, again, zero dead money uh, if the Buccaneers move on from him. And I would go as far, Evan, as to say Deshaun Jackson is not playing for the Buccaneers ever again. Uh, it's, it's just not going to happen. And I honestly believe it's not going to happen because Deshaun Jackson doesn't want it to happen. I think that Deshaun has had enough of what he thought would happen in Tampa. I think he's had enough of trying to make it work. I think he's had enough of trying to figure it out. I don't think Deshaun Jackson wants to 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 play anymore uh, for the Buccaneers. Just I don't think it's necessarily personal. Like, um, you know, if if he's having a birthday party and Jameis Winston is available, I think that Deshaun would be fine with Jameis getting an invitation to his birthday party. <laughs> but it's just not working on the field. It hasn't worked on the field, and I don't think that for one, I don't think Deshaun feels like he is is a part of the problem. I think he feels like the the quarterback is is the problem in that relationship. I think that he, in his mind, Jameis Winston can't hit him. It's not anything differently that different that Deshaun needs to do. And from where I'm sitting, the quarterback wide receiver relationship is a two way street. And even if it's not necessarily Deshaun's fault, uh, there are things that Deshaun could possibly do, whether it be in game, whether it be in preparation, whether it be in practice, the film room, whatever that could potentially help the situation, but I don't feel like Deshaun, and this is just me, but my my impression of Deshaun is that he does not feel like he needs to change anything he's done since he's gotten to Tampa and, and before. If that's the case, I don't see it getting better, so I just don't see it happening. No, man. Um, I'm right there with you. I mean, I've made it pretty pretty clear uh, what my stance was. Um, you know, I, I put it publicly out there on BucksNation.com about how he had to go after his last comments um, about how he doesn't want to practice and how he doesn't think he should practice and all that stuff. It just, just shows that he's just completely – 
he has no accountability, no self-awareness. And, you know, at this point, he's just here to cause trouble. And I'm just, I was just over it by then. Thing is too, with Deshaun is, you know, he had those first three out of four good games, you know, with Fitzpatrick, you know, the first two games, obviously, and then Chicago, um, he had five for 112. He was the only bright spot at all in that game. Um, and obviously the Bucks still got their, or their butt kicked. Uh, but after he came back, uh, or when Fitzpatrick came back, rather, I should say, in three games, he caught 11 passes for about 137 yards. So, I mean, that right there in itself just tells you that it was obviously the first, the first quarter of the season was a fluke. Um, he still had it in his head, though, that that could happen, that could get it done. And lo and behold, in the three games with Jameis before he got benched for those three games, he had seven catches for – uh, uh, one touchdown, and he had about about 160 yards. So, I mean, the stats were almost right around the same. Um, man, it's just at this point, it's all about him. You know, I don't know. I think, and this is obviously speculation, um, but, you know, I think he's just on – he knows he's on his way out in his NFL career. You know, his speed's the only thing he has now left. He's trying to get to a team where he can win, but also he wants to get paid. And unfortunately for him, I don't think all those things are going to happen at once. He's going to have to pick one or the other. Right. No, I, I agree with you. Um, honestly, I think right now Deshaun is more worried about winning than he is money. Obviously, money has something to do with it, but he's made a lot uh, over. He ain't going right the right way about it. If that's if that's so, uh, nah, you, know, you ain't lying. <laughs> but I can see him. I mean, he's not going to get ten million. I don't. I don't believe anyway. He's not going to get ten million anywhere else. However, I think that. A team like you know the Rams, maybe the Patriots. Uh, I don't think the Chiefs would really be interested. Uh, the Saints, again, honestly, could be interested. One of the things that the Saints' offense is has been missing uh, recent years is that real legit deep threat. I know Ted Ginn's got wheels, but he's not near what uh, the threat that Deshaun Jackson is. So um, yeah, I think, Tra- again, I think another... they still got Traquan Smith, though. Traquan Smith. They do have Traquan Smith. Threat. I thought uh, we would see a little bit more out of Smith this year, this past year, than we we did. I mean, not not bad, obviously, but uh, right, right. yeah, maybe that could develop into something as well. But just some options. I mean, I really do. I really think that most of this has to do with winning. I don't think Deshaun's the kind of guy who is – like he's not a Julio. You know, he can't go zero catches for zero yards but be happy the team won. I think he would rather have, you know <laughs> – 10 catches for 150 what makes, yards. What makes you say that? Loss. I just, it's just a vibe I get, man, to, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. But I really do. I think Deshaun, I think the, the bulk of Deshaun's frustrations are coming from winning right now. And I think he he doesn't want to leave his career without a Super Bowl title. So I really think that's what he's in, in search yeah. of. Uh, the Rams, oh, um, obviously, they, they provide that opportunity, and they just so happen to be located in Los Angeles. Uh, so Southern California is a place that obviously is near and dear to his heart. Um, so I think it all kind of aligns with him. I think that that's where he wants to go. And if the Rams are willing to give him even decent money, I would say somewhere around the 7 million ballpark, then I think he'll sign and go for his, his title shot, uh, with those guys. Um, See, like real real quick on that. Here's the thing mm -hmm. though. I mean, once Cooper cup comes back, he'll be in the same situation that he is here in Tampa. He's going to be like fifth in line behind targets. Uh, he's going to be behind Robert Woods. He's going to be behind Brandon cooks. He's going to be behind cup. He's going to be behind uh, Gerald Everett, um, Todd Gurley. He catches out of the backfield, you know, more than most of their, or a lot of receivers do. Yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> possibly Josh Reynolds, if he continues to grow. Mm-hmm. So it's just like that. If he decides to really want to go over that way, then uh, 
then that to me just continues to show more of lack of awareness, which is more, it's more of a reason why I want him to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Rams, they may be a relationship where the player is more interested in the team. The team is interested uh, in the player. Cause really, I mean, uh, not to, not to get into a locked on Rams rant, but I mean, if you ask me where Los Angeles needs to get better on offense uh, is at the quarterback position and Deshaun's not going to help that uh, situation. So right. not saying they need to replace Goff necessarily, but uh, Jared Goff has to get better, which, you know, he will with time and, and experience. Um, I think that's, that's the big thing. And then of course, Todd Gurley's health is, is a big uh, question mark, but no, you're, you're not wrong. You know, he goes to the Rams and, there are going to be games where he's going to get zero catches, zero yards, but the Rams might win. And if he starts throwing fits because he's not getting the ball, uh, that's, not, that's not going to go over very well in uh, in that locker room or or with that team. So we'll see. But any any more thoughts on uh, Djax? No, you know, I mean, like I said, hopefully he goes. But at the same time, you know, I know we've talked about it a lot on the Bucks Nation chat. If he goes and Hump goes, I do like Justin Watson. I semi like Bobo. I mean, I like. Don't get me wrong. I always like these people, these players as people. I always like them as people. You know, unless they pull some Adam Pacman Jones or some Greg Hardy crap. Um, yeah. But you know, when it comes to some players, I don't know if I really like Justin Watson as my number three guy. I definitely don't like Bobo Watson as my number four guy. I like him as a practice squad player. We can just call up from time to time. Don't get me wrong. I want him to get his money, but. I mean, sorry, you know, I mean, Tampa Bay's obviously got some cap stuff they got to figure out. But um, so, you know, uh, and plus, you know, we like we know how Arians runs the vertical threat, but at or the vertical offense. But at the same time, there's plenty of vertical threats that can be effective enough um, that are coming in free agency. You know, we've discussed a couple on the Bucks Nation spotlight, free agency spotlight we've been doing. John Brown in particular, you know, I've discussed him on my podcast. Um, I've written about him. Um, you know, there's other players out there that can replace him, but at the same time, it is a it is a very almost frightening prospect or idea to think of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, then Justin Watson and Bobo Wilson. Because mm. I mean, then then you've got what mm. Freddie Martino back for depth. Um, yeah. You know, you've got some kids you've drafted. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you have no depth behind that either. So. You know, it's it's a tricky yeah. situation, and a lot of us – and, you know, hell, maybe they can get Deshaun Jackson to take a pay cut. I doubt that, but especially <laughs> since he sold his house. But, right. you know, I mean, it's <laughs> right. something's got something's to get figured out. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and, and speaking of our private chat, Alex, uh, your co-host there at the Overtime Podcast, Alex Alvarez, uh, he mentioned that they were supposed to meet. Uh, Deshaun Jackson and Bruce Arians were supposed to meet, and uh, – you know, he brought up a clip. I think it was Super Bowl week that Coach Arian said that he and Deshaun were supposed to meet in Tampa. And I remember seeing some Instagram posts uh, on Deshaun Jackson's account of him in Tampa. So he was there in the time frame that they were supposed to have talked. Um, but if anything has come out of those conversations, we're not hearing about it. So right. who knows if it even happened or what happened in that conversation? But yeah, something if if, if Deshaun Jackson takes a pay cut. Uh, I don't know. I'm not making <laughs> that blow your mind. Do anything crazy, but if Deshaun Jackson takes a pay cut, I will question everything <laughs> I know about life. I think. Um, to stay with the yeah, I expect, I expect, I expect the sky to turn green and the and the grass yeah. to turn blue that day or something. That'd be crazy. I mean, if he, if he takes pay cut, we might get Derek Brooks back in to help the the linebacker situation. Like that's that's about as likely a situation <laughs> in my mind. Um, all right, so uh, moving on. Next player is is another guy that people have been talking about possibly moving this offseason. 
uh, is Cameron Bright, uh, scheduled to make $7 million yep. this year. And due to the wonderful magic that Jason Light does with contracts, carries zero dead money again if the Buccaneers decide to move on from someone who is, who's really been a fan favorite uh, in, his, in his time with the Buccaneers. So, Evan, again, we'll kick it over to you. Uh, what's what's the status on Cameron Brait in your eyes? Uh, real quick, I just want to say, man, what you just said about him, uh, Light being able to hit these contracts with Catman. I was I was actually just looking at you know some different cap situations for different reasons with other teams, and there are so many teams out there who, if they cut their players, that they're going to have so much dead money, um, mm-hmm. and it's amazing how much the Bucks would be able to save. You know, if they cut certain players because Light has put them in the situation where they can cut them with no dead money. But anyways, um, man, honestly, you know, it's kind of like I was telling you uh, before we came on or, you know, when we were kind of talking about going over the topics and stuff for today is, you know, really, honestly, the only reason I think he's safe is because O.J. Howard and I. this is me saying he's safe. um, I think the only reason he's safe is because O.J. Howard can't stay healthy. For his first two seasons, you know, I mean, he's missed what? Uh, I think 10 games over his first two seasons, six this last season and four the season before. Uh, maybe it was two the season before. But regardless, he's missing games. Um, but outside of that, I mean, the production was just simply not there last year. Now, granted, uh, Dirk Cutter, their former head coach, did say that um, he played injured all year long, but he was 31st amongst all tight ends with 289 yards. Uh, now, he did have six touchdowns, which was pretty good. But, uh, I mean, players like Tyler Higby, Ryan, Griff- Ryan Griffin, Blake Jarwin, uh, Ian Thomas. I mean, I can keep going and going with the list of names. All those guys finished with more yards than him. Um, most of them finished with more catches than him. And most of them, I guarantee you, you could probably add all of their uh, salaries together and they wouldn't equal rate $7 million cap hit. So, um, that Bucks definitely have to get a situation right there. Now, I could definitely see him taking the cap hit and maybe even if he could lower his cap hit to what? What do you think? Maybe three, three and a half mil? I think he'd be okay to keep. I mean, the Bucks need the debt. Yeah. I mean, if he'd be willing to do it. And I mean, when he, when he resigned, like, I mean, what, you know, talk about a team player. He literally told his agent, I don't care what you got to do. I want to be a Buck. Right. And I mean, and I mean, think about it too. Like, and I, I'm not saying, you know, this is the mo, the MO or this is the angle you take, but you know, if you're a logical person and to me, this doesn't seem, I'm not saying I'm logical. Hell, I'm far from it, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a logical person, I mean, Cam Bray did go to Harvard. So I would think he has some logic to him. A logical person might think, you know, well, Hey, you know, different coaching staff, you know, and cutter and his crew may have valued me differently. Now I know NFL players are all about value, but like you just said, you know he's the ultimate team player. I think, man, I think he would be more willing to take a pay cut than any of them. And if he's, if like I said, if he's willing to drop it in half, I'd be more than happy to, to keep him. Either way, I would still be happy to keep him, just because we need him. But uh, yeah, man, I think he's safe though, mostly because of Howard, the inability to stay healthy. Right. No, you you bring up a valid point with with OJ Howard's injury history, and it's really unfortunate. Uh, that Howard is Very in his first two years because he's such a talented player. Um, you just you start to, you know, those those questions start to creep into your head. Is this going to be a guy who someday gets labeled a quote unquote bust, not because of talent, but because of ability to stay on the field? Definitely makes Cameron Bray more important and makes him, like you said, just just needed by the team. I think he's safe as well. I don't think Cameron Bray's going anywhere. Um, I'm not even certain that they'll even ask him to take a pay cut. I mean, if you if you look at it, right, 
if if I'm correct about Gerald McCoy and we're correct about Deshaun Jackson, that's twenty three million dollars that they're going to clear on top of the right. projected fifteen million that they will have. Uh, depending, of course, the salary cap is not set yet. Uh, however, with the projected salary cap increase, which is pretty substantial, the Bucks stand to have about fifteen million currently in cap space. Uh, add another twenty three to that with Gerald McCoy and Deshaun Jackson, and suddenly your team looks like it's in pretty decent shape. Um, going into free agency and going into the draft, so you can keep Cambray even at seven million uh, if need be. But I agree with you. If there's a player that's going to take a pay cut on this list, um, it's definitely it's definitely Cambray. And honestly, I don't think that the trade market is going to be as hot for Cambray as as maybe some of us thought in the beginning. Because I agree for sure. Just a lo- this this draft class. I wouldn't say that this draft class is as good as the one that OJ Howard came out in as far as tight ends are concerned, because that was a pretty legit draft class. But it's pretty stinking good, and I don't know. Uh, I found an article um, out there in the in the uh, interweb where uh, our fellow SB Nation uh, site, the uh, the Silver and Black Pride guys, the Raiders guys, right? They're they're a team that kind of need tight end help. There are three tight ends are identifying as possible first round draft picks. Now I don't know if I believe three tight ends will go in the first round. However, it's crazy. These are all talented guys. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson and mm-hmm. Noah Fant, both from Iowa. I know I've seen them mocked and discussed in, in the day one conversation and Irv Smith Jr. out of Alabama. So any NFL team out there who needs a tight end, there's three right there that are either day one or early day two uh, type talents that they can go ahead and grab. This is the draft class where if you need a tight end, you don't have to necessarily leverage draft picks and draft capital to go out there and get a guy who's a veteran coming coming in with some some tread on the tires, like I said. So that puts the Buccaneers in a situation where if they did shop Cameron Braid around, they're probably not going to get the return on him that they would like to get and we'll probably end up just holding on to him because he does provide that potential value. I mean, you never know guys. I mean, if, and I, and I don't want to try to get the hype train rolling early, but I mean, if, if we're in week 12 or 13 and the bucks are in the thick of the playoff hunt and OJ Howard goes down to yet another uh, injury, knock on wood, hope that doesn't happen. Cameron Brates can be huge. Um, you know, in, in that situation. Now you get a fifth round draft pick for him. I don't know what you're going to get there. You might get a fast wide receiver who can return punts. Uh, maybe you get a physical safety who you can bring in on run support. Uh, I don't know, but chances are with a quarterback like Jameis Winston, who really does like to lean on the tight end, you're not going to get the overall team production out of that person that you would with a Cameron Bright. So until OJ Howard puts together a full season, I don't see the Buccaneers moving on for Cameron Bright because he is signed to a very team friendly deal. Um, again, kudos to Jason Light for that. So for those reasons, a lot of uh, a lot of it just echoing what you said in a different in different words, Evan. Uh, I totally agree with you. I think that Cameron Braid is definitely going to be a Buccaneer in 2019. One and one more thing to consider too is you know Bruce Arians outside of Andrew Luck, which I think that was more of just Andrew Luck's tendency. And this is kind of a point counterpoint. I'm going to kind of argue with myself a little bit here. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of Andrew Luck, like I was going to say, but I think that was more of his, a tendency of his reliance on tight ends, which Jameis has a tendency of that as well, which is, like I said, you'll see my point counterpoint here in a second. Um, Arians, though, himself has never really used tight ends, um, you know, in his offenses. You know, Arizona, it was never really used. The Titans actually – or the Titans, oh, my God, listen to me. The Bucks, um actually have a uh, pretty good blocking tight end in Anthony Auclair – or mm-hmm. Anthony Auclair, I should say. Um, now, I'm not saying, you know, that's who I want to be backing up the position, OJ at the position. But, um, you know, Arians could just look at Breda straight up expendable. You know, now I don't know if he'll do that, like I said, because – 
Um, I think he, like he, like he said at his press conference, he wants to put his players in the best position to succeed. And Jameis Winston loves tight ends. He loves Cameron Bright in the red zone. And actually, um, you know, uh, even though he finished 31st in um, receiving yards, he was sixth with the six touchdowns. So, you know, I mean, there is some value there, but um, there's definitely a lot to consider as well. Yeah, I, I think you, that's a good point too. If if there is a threat to Cameron Braid, it's it's Bruce Arians' yeah, history, you know, and that's that's been documented and talked about uh, as well. But the great thing about Cameron Braid is we know he's smart, right? So if there's a new role that yeah, Coach Arians needs to take on, smart. yeah, <laughs> uh, if there's a new role that Coach Arians needs to take on, I, I don't see any, I don't see any quitting Cameron Braid. I don't think Cameron Braid's going to look at Byron Leftwich or or Coach Arians or anybody and say, "Nah, that's not something I can do." Uh, he's going to go out there and, and give it the best shot that he can. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have for this episode. And I'll tell you what, we only got through three names. Evan, I've got 12 names on this list. So <laughs> we're going to continue having this conversation. Unfortunately, unless Evan wants to become a full-time part or uh, guest on the Locked on Bucks podcast, he's probably not going to be around for the entirety of the conversation. But Evan, before we get out of here, uh, tell tell the listeners what you guys, you and Alex, have going on over there at the Overtime Podcast, and what you've got going on at uh, Bucks Nation. Well, uh, man, just honestly, just going through the motions of the off season with the Overtime Podcast. Um, we're actually going to be on Friday. We're going to be recording our last uh, free agent preview. Um, what we've been doing is we're going through all the different positions, all that good stuff. Um, and we're doing the quarterback position on Friday. Obviously, Jameis is starting, but we're going to talk about some uh, free agents and one potential free agent uh, on my list that we'd like to see the Bucks go after when it comes to uh, Jameis's back up but other than that man just talking football you know talking crap you know all that good stuff alex and i have some good friendly wagers going on every now and then um but then also in bucks nation man same thing you know doing the free agency spotlight you know that we're all doing um and on top of that just break it just analyzing the cap situation and gil tells us not to worry but what about the contracts david what about the contracts what about those contracts? Fantastic, Evan. But guys, if you enjoyed this conversation as much as I think Evan and I had or enjoyed having it, um, definitely let us know your thoughts. Uh, hit us up with a voicemail, as always, at 813-444-5841. Let us know. Disagree, agree, uh, whatever you want. We've had I've had a lot of great conversations on Twitter about my offensive line take, which I knew I was going to get hammered for. Uh, however, Nobody has just flat out called me stupid, which is which is very I, I appreciate that guys very very much. It's always, it's always nice. Yeah. Uh some disagreements, which I expected fully, obviously, but and some good conversations there on social media. So I appreciate it. Keep letting us know your, your opinions, guys. Let us know about these three players. Like I said, there are 12 on the list. So James and I are definitely gonna pick this conversation back up. Excuse me, at another date. If you've got a player out there that you think is either safe, not safe, or on the fence or on the bubble. Uh, let us know again drop those voicemails in or drop an email uh, we had a listener from england who listen if, if you guys need to email us questions we'll read them on the air that's not a problem at all evan thank you of course for for joining us again ladies and gentlemen you can find him over at the overtime podcast with alex alvareza from bucks nation evan's also from bucks nation and on twitter at evan underscore winner uh, so follow him over there james and i will be back thursday with a brand new episode until then have a wonderful rest of your day, and thank you so much for joining us here at Locked on Bucks.